Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And I think personally we have another fun case for you today. <laughs> Definitely a fun one. I we had jokes, you know, we've been saying we were trying to switch it up and be a little more lightheaded or lightheaded, lighthearted <laughs> every few episodes because we were getting very heavy for a while there. And so I think this is more of a lighthearted story to talk about and and not as heavy for us to get into this time. I agree with that. Still, uh, creepy, spooky. I agree. And there will be lots of pictures to accompany this. (laughs) Yes. Because I definitely went down that (laughs) uh, rabbit hole of all the pictures. There were some good ones out there. So definitely you'll have to share them all. Yes, uh, absolutely. (laughs) So I guess before we dive into it, is there anything you want to add, Sydney? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, we're <laughs> we're still recording a bit in advance, so I don't really necessarily want to go over any like true crime news that like might change. <laughs> I know I'm not necessarily sure. I know the only big true crime news, and it's within the last like week, and <laughs> I text Sydney about it. And by the time this episode comes out, it'll be a couple weeks old, was on the John Bonet Ramsey case. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so I do want to bring this up because I feel like not everyone's talking about this. And I just happened to hear a podcast mention it. And then so of course I Googled it and was like, oh my God, why haven't I heard any more about this? Uh but basically I guess there was DNA left on her body or at the crime scene or whatever it was that her father is currently pushing the Colorado police department into retesting now with like modern technology. And he is actually threatening a lawsuit if they don't retest. So I thought that was a big fucking deal. Uh, because obviously we could all, (laughs) we could all talk a million theories on that case, but a big one being that the family kind of was aware of what happened or knew what happened and was covering it up and so I'm a bit shocked (laughs) personally that the father is pushing for this yes because if he knew and was involved in covering it up obviously he wouldn't be pushing this hard so interesting that this is one of the like most infamous unsolved murder cases in America (laughs) and we might maybe get some answers who knows question mark (laughs) So, I'm sure we'll keep everyone updated if we hear anything, but I just thought that was a big deal. <laughs> it's a huge deal. We had, And then we had texted back and forth about it, and we have all these crazy theories. It'll be uh, very interesting to see, I guess, really what happens with all that. Yeah, and how it plays out. It'll be really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it could provide nothing, which you do see happen sometimes, but... Like I said, I just thought it was a big deal that it was being pushed this hard recently. Yeah, that he's pushing so hard for it, for sure. To either clear their name or... Yeah, or... uh, 
I guess screw them even further. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of theories. We won't get into the theories right now. (laughs) I feel like that's a whole episode on its own. (laughs) It'll literally probably end up end in a screaming match between us. (laughs) Sydney and I don't necessarily agree (laughs) on our theories of what happened in this case. So that's fine. I mean, there are a lot of theories. There's so many. I don't know. I guess I'm open to all of them. There's just certain ones that I believe more than others or, like, think are more realistic than others. But honestly, it's one of those things that, like, we haven't known for this long. And once we find out, I feel like I'm not going to like the answer anyway. So A hundred percent. Like, I like the things where my mind can wander and, like, I can just kind of... Yes. think believe whatever what i want you want to believe <laughs> yeah <laughs> even though fair. that's not usually the case <laughs> fair well i think that's all i had before we dive into the story did you have anything else to add no i don't think so okay on april 21st and 22nd of 1977 In the town of Dover, Massachusetts, there were a few odd sightings of a creature that would then never be seen again. Although only reported in three separate sightings, the legend of the Dover demon is a strong one that has held the interest of many books, legends, TV shows, and even movies. Join us as we dive into the story of this cryptid creature and what those think it might actually have been. So, as mentioned, on April 21st, that was the first sighting of the Dover Demon. Bill Bartlett, who was 17 at the time, was driving with two friends, Mike Mazaka, I think I said that right, and Andy Brody, down Farm Street around 10 o'clock that night, when Bill claimed to see an unknown creature on the side of the road. They were in Dover, Massachusetts, which was a rural area about 20 miles, I think it was said southwest of Boston, but about 20 miles outside of Boston. Bill said he saw something creeping along a low, broken up stone wall on the left side of the road. And at first, he thought it could be a dog or a cat, but that's when his headlights bounced onto the creature fully and he realized it could not be either one of those animals. The creature turned and looked literally directly into the light. (laughs) It had two large eyes with no eyelids from what Bill could tell. And he said they look like two orange marbles with no tail. The head of the creature was abnormally large. He described it as watermelon-sized, on a thin neck, and like a stick-thin body. And he said, in quotes, it had tendril-like fingers and lanky arms and legs with large hands and feet. So, like, (laughs) I'm guessing, Sydney, you won't get this reference. I don't know how big you were into, like... YouTube videos in like middle school. Yes. But all I was thinking was salad fingers. <laughs> yes. Yes, I I know that. Okay. Rusty but that's... spoon. <laughs> I'm so glad you get this reference because I guarantee at least 50% of people who listen will not. <laughs> but it was like long, skinny fingers and they were creepy. Yes. Yes. 
It used to creep me out, but <laughs> I anyway. loved it. That was like my favorite video. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Watch it on repeat. I think it was a ringtone at one point in like my <laughs> middle school years. I'm going to hang up from this recording and go watch that watch video. <laughs> I think I'm adding that to my list of things to do after this, too. <laughs> so the creature was described by Bill as hairless and peach-colored, looking like a rough-textured skin. He said later on it was kind of looking like wet sandpaper, <laughs> which was a really weird, odd description. Ugh. Yeah, that grossed me like out. That. <laughs> That's why I had to include it. I can, it. like, like feel that, too. It's, like, giving me the chills, like, on your... Even ugh. looking at it, you're like, ugh. <laughs> like, ugh. gritty. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that at all. He said the creature was not more than three and a half, four feet tall. However, neither of those friends can corroborate what he saw, as he only saw this while passing by and driving. So... To think it was only a few seconds, like less than a minute, and you're in the dark. You're, you know, you're on country roads, rural areas. There aren't streetlights. So, like I said, neither of the two boys in the car with Bill saw it, and they actually egged him to go back and take another look. I saw. Apparently, he caved and went back with his friends, and they were like out the window yelling, "Come on, creature!" <laughs> uh, but it was already gone. Literally, like, what typical teenage boys (laughs) just acting like fools, I guess. Uh, But so he took him home, went back to his own own house. And then when he got home, his father noticed he was, like, visibly upset and asked what was wrong. And so he recounted and told his dad what happened. And he actually drew a sketch of the creature. Uh, This sketch will be included in the pictures (laughs) that we post. Um, because also the next sighting, I think both sketches are pretty oddly similar. (laughs) And so I, I do think they should absolutely be included. That same evening, a few hours later, 15 year old John Baxter was walking home from his girlfriend's house. It was around midnight when he left and began walking home down Miller Hill Road. And he also had an encounter with this creature. He made it about a mile, roughly 30 minutes later or so, when he noticed someone walking towards him on the road. Obviously, it's a dark, overcast night on this rural road. (laughs) So he saw, you know, basically could only make out that the figure was pretty short. And he was really, like, kind of (laughs) hopeful. It was one of his friends that lived on the street that he knew. So he called out. But there was no response. They kept walking towards each other until the unknown figure finally stopped. And so John stopped as well and asked, who is that? Like I said, dark, overcast, not much light. And he can really only make out a shadowy figure. He can't really see. And there was, again, no response. So John, being much braver than most people, especially at 15, decided to take a step forward towards the figure to get a better look. But it kind of ran off to the left at this point. It ran down a shallow wooded gully and up the opposite bank. And John could hear its footsteps on the leaves and, like, the brush. So he actually chased the figure a bit before stopping. And looking across the gully, 
he can actually see the creature standing about 30 feet away from him. He said it was standing on a rock next to a tree, and it seemed like the hands and feet were molded to the rocks and tree. Basically, these long fingers and toes curled around, like, the base of the rock and the trunk of the tree as if, like, (laughs) forming themselves to this tree. John described the creature as reminding him of a monkey a bit, except the shape of its head. He also described two eyes as lighter spots almost glowing and looking right at him. He began to feel so uneasy and realized he didn't know what this thing was. (laughs) And he began quickly backing up towards the road, kind of fearing how it might act towards him, if it might attack him or anything. And then he's described as walking, in quotes, very quickly (laughs) back to uh, the next intersection. I laughed when I read that because my ass would have (laughs) ran. I don't care. I would have bugged it. Ran like fucking hell. There is no way that I am not running very quickly. A hundred percent. But he apparently walked. Yeah, he walked very quickly. There's no time to walk (laughs) in a situation like that. Well, he made it to the next intersection where a couple passing by in a car, he kind of hailed them down and hitched a ride back to his house, where he also would later draw a sketch for of this creature and his interaction. The next night on April 22nd, Abby Brabham, 15, claimed to see the creature on Springdale Avenue while she was in the car with 18-year-old Will Tainter. The two happened upon the creature sitting on all fours by a bridge on the side of the road around midnight when they were driving by. Similar to Bill's story, the only view they had was from the headlights bouncing off of it, but Abby claimed to have gotten a really good look while Will only got a glimpse of it. He said he was paying more attention to the road and kind of glanced over. Abby said when she first looked at it, she thought it was an ape or something, But then notice the head was very big. That watermelon type shape was described again for the head. And this time it had bright green eyes that were staring back at her and were glowing. Both describe the creature as thin, very monkey-like. With skin that was like tan or beige-ish colored. No hair or no tail again. And they also described that weird watermelon-shaped head again with no definite nose, ears, or mouth, just the two glowing eyes. When Abby realized what she was seeing, she got really scared and told Will to drive faster. Afterwards, Will was questioning Abby about what she saw and to kind of see what she recounted, because at this point, he had heard of Bill's story from the night before. And... Abby claims she did not. So later on, she would say she didn't even know about that until after she saw what she saw. All three of the teens, Abby, Bill, and John, would draw their own sketches of what the creature looked like. Bill even went as far to write on his sketch, I, Bill Bartlett, swear on a stack of Bibles that I saw this creature. So he was claiming 100% this is it. Interesting to note that all of these sightings, when laid out on a map, lay in a straight line over two miles long and all occurred near water. 
and just included that last part in case it has any significance at all, I honestly couldn't tell you. <laughs> the overall descriptions are very similar by teens, but obviously, like I said, do slightly vary. The Dover Demon, which it would be later described as, was described as a small humanoid creature, very alien-like, almost what's described as a typical gray alien without the gray skin. Have you ever heard the stories or, like, know what the gray aliens are, Sid? I don't think so. Like, that doesn't even sound familiar to me. So, that's what they're called. It's, like, a gray alien. Um, or, like, the Roswell aliens. They're supposedly, like, okay. the gray figures. Kind of lanky. Yeah. <laughs> the odd-shaped head with big eyes. Like, the typical, if you're thinking of, like, a weird gray alien, that's usually what these things are. Okay, okay. Yeah, I just, I didn't know it. <laughs> didn't know they had names. That's what I was thinking, because, like, as soon as you said, like, the Roswell, like, I guess I can picture them now, but I didn't know that it had, like, a specific name for it. Yeah, I guess they're nicknamed the Greys. <laughs> uh, weird. Yeah, very weird. So, but basically, that's what this description of the Dover Demon is like. But it didn't have the gray skin. All of them, well, John didn't really see the color of the skin. But Abby and Bill described, you know, beige, like, peachish colored skin, which was interesting. It can walk on all fours or just its two back legs, switching back and forth. The first sighting by Bill was on all fours, but the other two were it was it wa- it was walking at one point or on two with Abby. I think it was on four and then two legs. The Dover Demon has two glowing eyes, usually orange, for the first two sightings, but also like Abby and Will described with the green. But the biggest characteristics that it shared in all three sightings was the shape of its head and body. And then the lack of facial features other than its eyes. So I thought that was important to include that they all nailed like those important things. (laughs) So as for an investigation, there was really none by police. (laughs) They didn't really take it seriously. They believed it was like a school vacation hoax by teens and really did nothing further. Many people in town believed it could have been a foal or a moose calf. Uh, But (laughs) interesting, because I definitely wanted to debunk as many theories as possible. The moose population at this point in heavily populated areas are rare. But at this time in this area, there were basically no moose in the state of Massachusetts, or at least in this region of Massachusetts. So the thought of it being a moose calf is like slim to none because there weren't moose sightings in that area. There was no moose population in that area. Uh, They also, like I mentioned, the baby foal, but that wasn't full season. So it would have been rare to see, you know, something so small out of season (laughs) and it wouldn't have been normal. Other animal theories are that this is a monkey, a dog, a mutation of sorts, or what's known as a gibbon. (laughs) So I didn't know what gibbons were, so I looked them up. (laughs) And it's basically, it's an ape 
if you look it up, it literally looks like a monkey that you've seen probably a million times. And they are illegal to own, but the thought is that it could have been a pet that escaped. Some gibbons are known to have orange fur, like orangish colors. But I think it's really important to go back to this. All sightings say there was no fur. (laughs) It was like, it was skin. It was hairless. The head isn't abnormally giant on these gibbons. (laughs) Do they have hairless gibbons? Like hairless cats? I mean, maybe. Let's see if I can look up a picture. I mean, I'm looking it up. And I don't see any hairless ones in any pictures. I'm sure it could have been, like, a mutation of sorts. But, like, their head is proportionate to their body. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that sticks out in this case for me is that (laughs) every sighting was, like, the head was freaking huge. Yeah. I guess anything, though, where it's, like, it could have been someone's pet at some point, like... If they shaved it, or, like, people are fucking crazy, like... A hundred percent. And they're thinking, like, if they did something like that, in thinking that it would be, like, they're able to hide this animal in plain sight, and then it just was, like, we have to get rid of this thing, like, or it snuck out, or... Yeah. I guess I... I don't know. I definitely understand. (laughs) Obviously, the other big theory is that this was... An alien sighting of sorts. (laughs) Although there were no UFOs reported in that area at the time, there's actually none and none associated with the Dover demon at all. I did want to include those theories because those are like the local theories. (laughs) Cryptozoologists really showed like little interest in this creature nowadays (laughs) for the most part. Uh, Most sightings happened in like a short period of time and almost all claiming the sightings have stopped. It's not considered, you know, a pressing manner for many to look into anymore. Whereas like, you know, Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster, those are sightings that are still happening. So those are big cases that cryptozoologists still focus on. However, (laughs) wasn't necessarily true at the time when it happened. The local newspapers ran stories about the sightings, like, right after they happened, and investigators and cryptozoologists came to investigate. They did not believe it was a hoax. (laughs) Uh, Three people that, major people that came to visit, one, our guy, Lauren Coleman, came. Um, that's actually how I picked this case because I wanted to pick a case that was associated with Lauren Coleman. So, (laughs) uh, Lauren Coleman was involved, came right away, as well as Ed Fogg and Walter Webb. Lauren Coleman actually interviewed all the primary witnesses within just a week of the sightings. So, he was there, like, right away (laughs) and doing some work. (laughs) He also is the one who came up with the name the Dover Demon. There is a quote by Lauren Coleman when he was interviewed by American Monsters. And I did include this, so I'll just read it real quick. It says, The short story is that over a two-day period in April 1977, four people saw a small, four-foot-tall, orange, shark-skinned creature somewhat like Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, 
and three separate sightings in Dover, Massachusetts, a rural town near Boston. This case goes down as unexplainable. I don't know how to answer what really happened, as all the witnesses checked out and were found to be credible by law enforcement and other people in Dover. So I wanted to include that because basically what he was saying is like, look, I don't know what happened, but these kids aren't known to be liars and they actually have a really good community track records. And so like something happened. We just don't know what it was. And he believed they were all credible himself after meeting them and interviewing them. That's I, I that's really important to note, I think, because I feel yes. like it's one of those situations like, is it the the boy who cried wolf? You know, there's always those people that just say, you know, they think that me included. I'm pretty sure if Lauren Coleman asked me that he would be like, this bitch is crazy. She is just crazy. Like, but there's so <laughs> many different situations out there where like it's like, did these people actually see it? Did one person see it? And then the other people are like oh, yeah, I saw something similar to that, too. Or, like, they're thinking they did, like, playing games with their head. I don't know. Well, that's why, like, I included... So, the first two sightings happened within a couple hours of each other. I mean, this is pre-cell phones, like, um, in the same area, but they weren't necessarily, like, friends or anything. You know what I mean? And then the third one was when the guy was, like, asking his girlfriend, like, okay, well, did you, like, all these questions because he heard the first sighting. And so he was trying to figure out, like, if she heard it and was just messing with him. And he was like, I don't think she's messing. Like, because he saw something kind of, too, just not as good as she did. So that's why, yeah, I included that because I think it's important to remember, like, these people were found credible. I even saw police <laughs> when Bill told his story, police were kind of shocked because this is someone who's like known to be like really great in the community. And he was like an aspiring artist and like all this stuff. And like everyone knew who he was. So it wasn't like they expected like, Oh, the kid who has a bunch of issues <laughs> or like, is crying wolf all the time or messing with people and pulling pranks. Like, no, it was an outstanding citizen that they all knew and trusted. So I thought that was interesting. Like he definitely saw something. (laughs) He absolutely saw something. It's just a matter of what he saw. Correct. So obviously I talked about some theories The two biggest theories amongst believers of this being, like, a true creature, not an animal, is that it was either potentially a lost alien or scout or an interdimensional traveler, which I thought was a really interesting theory. So, I mentioned the gray alien. Yes. (laughs) Don't worry. We'll we'll talk. Um. I mentioned the gray alien and the Dover demon fits that description pretty well, uh, but not completely. A belief is that maybe it was a different type of scout species or alien species because of the, the skin color and things like that. Perhaps that got left behind, even if it was just temporary, gave me like E.T. vibes, <laughs> um, which could be an, an explanation of why it was only spotted few sightings in like a same general area for two days and then that's it nothing else so it 
could be interesting. <laughs> um, but the interdimensional traveler theory is wild to me. So obviously there's the belief in the theory that there's an infinite infinite number of universes any point in time. <laughs> the thought is maybe this creature could have been from one of them, whether it traveled here intentionally or accidentally. I don't know where this theory came from and why. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why people would think this over an alien, in my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but interdimensional travel is something that, like, terrifies me. <laughs> Dude, any sort of, like, traveling in general, like, time travelers and stuff is freaking wild to me. And it's actually really funny that this is coming up because I went to this festival yesterday with my friend Grace and my mom. And we're sitting in the car waiting for my mom to come and pick me up. I like pick us up. And we were talking about like time travelers and like traveling between dimensions and shit. <laughs> and like how she had recently heard some story about this guy like was, you know, in what he thought was his backyard and like apparently went through some sort of fucking portal and then ended up in his backyard but it was like it was four years in the future and his family was like saying he was missing and like all kinds of crazy ass shit was like going on and I don't even know and we were literally just going back and forth yelling about this this time traveling situation and like the dimensions and how you can just like fall into a portal and you don't even know it okay so I listened to a podcast about a national forest and all this weird shit that happens to in the national forest and specifically like it was like the Mark Twain forest shout out to podcast sinisterhood. If anyone listens, <laughs> but Ooh. one of the things is cause there's so many like disappearances uh, around that area or in the national forest, especially with like experienced people <laughs> in like hiking and out and outdoors people and like all this kind of stuff. But anyways, there's this theory that, there are portals in the national forest. And so what happens is someone accidentally slips into this portal and can't get back. Yeah. And, that's why they're missing. and you can just like wander into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was like a story that someone had said was like that basically they like tried to send people to like check it out. Cause they didn't know what the hell happened. We're like, their foot or their hand or something felt like it went through this portal. And then they like pulled it back and was like, Nope, getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Like it's literally crazy. It's yeah. And they say it's like, uh, you wouldn't know. Like, it's not like, you know, in the movies where it's like all lit up and like sparkling and like, exactly. You, know, you walk through this thing and they're like, Oh yeah, I, I'm going to not walk through that. I'm going to walk away. Like you don't have an option. It's like, they say Sometimes it's like pressure or something. Yeah, and they say it's like a pressure point. So it's like you just all of a sudden feel pressure and then you walk through and you're somewhere else. Well, I guess we don't know, but... A hundred percent we don't know, but... That's the thought. It's like there's ways that, you know, you would be able to somewhat detect it if you're looking for it. But if you're not... If you're just going on a walk, you don't aren't looking for fucking portals to fall into. You're probably not going to be aware that you just walked through one. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't think normal people go looking for portals, but maybe. <laughs> I might have to start. I do not want anything to do with it. It terrifies me. Uh, so it was really interesting to think that, like, that interdimensional travel theory is part of this. Like, maybe it's a creature from another dimension that wandered over somehow and they don't know where or why or how or whatever but I'm kind of convinced it's probably an alien (laughs) duh of course it is that's that's my belief (laughs) that's usually what it always goes back to or somebody's pet (laughs) yeah I mean that could be an easy (laughs) it was like someone's pet that got out and was like a weird looking creature I don't know I think that would be a good, I guess, I don't want to say good, but, like, a reason as to why there was never any other sightings, because, you know, if it was somebody's pet, it wasn't used to, like, living out in nature anymore, whatever it was, even if it was something that was, like, mutant, like, it probably would have died rather quickly. Meanwhile, I'm over here, like, this is E.T., and they just came back and got him. <laughs> I mean, if it was an alien, absolutely. Like, it was just <laughs> having a little day. But if it was someone's pet, it's gone. It's gone for God. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, my, I have a couple fun facts. Um, I'm going to share the one, and then I'll let you add anything you have real quick. But um, 2006, Bill Bartlett was interviewed by the Boston Globe. He said, you know, decades later, he is very much still creeped out by what he saw and said it's slightly embarrassing. He said he did not make it up. It still haunts him a bit, but it's embarrassing and he wishes it was just a hoax so he could move on with it. So I thought that, you know, this happened in (laughs) 77, so 30 years later and he's still like... Yep, wish that was fake. I still think about that. And he still, like, very much maintains that story. Poor guy. I know. It's really hard, though, too, because, like, growing up and then, like, telling this whole story, it's, like, one of those things where I feel like people probably bullied you or, like, are, are you sure? Like, you're crazy and, like, make comments at you. And then there's those other people that, like, harass you because they want to know more. Yeah, like, You can't really win. A hundred percent. And I don't know if I've told you any of like my grandpa's stories from like the UP of like possibly seeing aliens or anything like that. But the one thing he would say was like, you know, when he, they asked people (laughs) up north at one time, like, Oh, do you guys see anything? Did you see that last night? And they had kind of looked at the couple had looked at each other and they were like, yeah, we don't really talk about that up here. Cause like people will think you're crazy. Mm -hmm. And so it was really interesting to me because you might, I mean, I can see not wanting to talk about it and people giving you, you know, crap for it and like harassing you about it. So I'm sure 30 years, well, at the time it was 30 years. It's been, you know, another 15 cents that that's something you have to live with. And I'm sure people still bring it up. Oh, I'm sure. Especially, like, if you, like, you'd almost have to move away from that area. Like, if you yeah. live in the same area and, like, everyone knows who you are, like, that's that guy that said he saw something. Like, I think that there is that, like, even with your grandpa, like, it's kind of, 
sad like that people are aware like have knowledge that something else is going on but they don't want to talk about it because they don't want those believers to be like you're just crazy like they don't want to deal with the backlash (laughs) yeah so I'm sure there have been like way more alien sightings than like ever reported because of that so I'm sure okay well is there anything else you would like to add to the story um, no, I don't think so. I think you did. The only things I had on here was stuff you talked about, so. Oh, uh, well, I'll add that <laughs> despite only being three sightings over a span of two days, uh, still being covered by stuff occasionally, including Animal Planet show The Lost Tapes did an episode Ooh. on the Dover Demon, which I've never watched a show, but I think I'll give it a watch because it looks interesting. I have watched that show before, but I don't think I've seen that episode. Yeah. I didn't even know they covered it. So yeah. that's, there's still, like, a lot of stuff being referenced to the Dover Demon. There's still, you know, books referencing it. And <laughs> if you look at Dover Demon, there's a lot of books you can find. <laughs> yeah, there definitely was a lot. Which is interesting for something that only had so few sightings that it's yeah. still so alive. But it's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, that's all I have for you today on this lighter note and this lighter, creepier case. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you got some jokes and facts for us today? I do. Okay, let's go fact first. Okay, so this is not, it's not 100% positive. It's like a believed, it, allegedly, the first limes came from Southeast Asia and Indonesia because that's where the first limes were found and recorded. So they believe that's where they like came from originally just because that's the first place it was listed. Interesting. That they found limes. Not where you would expect. No, I was actually really surprised by that. That's why I was like, <laughs> it's more of like an allegedly, like it's not 100% positive, but the fact that where it yeah. was, I was like, that's not where I was expecting it. Yeah, I'll take that like, aspect. Somewhere <laughs> tropical. Yeah, me too. <laughs> or like Puerto Rico or Dominican Republic, somewhere over there. That's where I was thinking. Yeah, in the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There's a word. <laughs> Okay, hit me with a joke today. All right, so shout out to uh, Peyton's dad for finding a link of <laughs> jokes for me. Um, Even he, better, I did not open the link when he sent it to yes. me, so I have not read any of the jokes. I did not there's know actually, if they were There's some good ones on there. There's some that I feel like I'm going to have to, like, make them into questions because they're more, like, statements, but, like, you could definitely make them into questions, so I think it's okay. going to be good. I think we have a lot to work with for a while. Okay. Well, thanks, Dad. (laughs) MVP. MVP. (laughs) All right. So how do you get a computer drunk? How? A screen shot of tequila. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's good. It's good. (laughs) It is good. (laughs) There's a lot more where that came from. (laughs) looking forward to the next few weeks of jokes to see how this plays out (laughs) they're gonna be good they're gonna be good i was laughing my ass off reading like going through this link i'm not gonna lie 
Oh, that's setting a high bar for me here. <laughs> it's also just my bad humor. <laughs> also true. <laughs> so we'll have to see. You'll be the judge of it. Yeah, me and everyone else who listens. <laughs> true. Well, I think that's all we've got today for you folks. So you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. We also have a website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com. Has links to all our episodes via Spotify and our sources if you want any references and to dive deep into your own cases. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you leave a rating and review. There's been a few good ones on there, a few new ones. I was super excited. Um, There's just a couple ratings and then an actual review. But we see the numbers go up, so it's cool. And it's very much appreciated. It helps podcasts like us get a little more noticed and gives us some more listeners. So greatly appreciated. Yes. And you can also always shoot us an email as well for any feedback, any case suggestions, any stories or encounters you've had or any links to any of these stories or any true crime cases that you want us to cover. We want to hear from you and want to cover the cases you suggest. So feel free to reach out. Um, Oh, and that email (laughs) should probably include the email is (laughs) uh, tacosandtequila at gmail.com. Yes, yes, yes. Or you can message us on just like Instagram or Facebook too. Agreed. I know that there's a handful of people that I've been chatting with, but all of the above work. Absolutely. And I think that's all. So we will talk to you folks next week then. Bye. Bye. Ha 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 ha!